This is Leave Your Mark. I'm Vince Cortez, and today's guest is Paula Flory. Her vision and determination to create Move Ever Breast Cancer is truly commendable. Her personal experience with breast cancer, coupled with her experience in counseling psychology, enabled her to create a unique and much-needed mobile support organization called Move Over Cancer. Her vision for a fully mobile breast cancer support organization became a reality. She brings a one-of-a-kind care, comfort, and glam to your doorstep. Her dedication to helping women through cancer is inspirational to all of us. And thank you for being my guest here today, Paula. Thank you so much. Hi there, and welcome. Now it's time for America's favorite podcast. Leave your mark with your host, Vince Cortez. If it's fly, loose fit it. It's Cortez. If freezing chub is in it. It's Cortez. Leave Your Mark is about inspiring the world, one guess at a time. Pass the word from Brooklyn to Pittsburgh, from urban to suburb, it's Cortez, you heard? And here is our host, Vince Cortez. So, you've been a career person as far as the, the profession that you're currently working in, and I want to share with the audience how you worked your way over there being a, a Jersey girl. Uh, with a family of five and what life was like early. So um, you're born and raised in Clifton, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Okay, your your father, Lenny, was born in Sicily and yes. he comes to the new country and he is a women's apparel manufacturer owner, which yes. is very exciting. And the rag business is very prominent in that New York area. I think you mentioned For that sure. Clifton is not too far away from Manhattan. So uh, you could see that he was in the hornet's nest for doing that type of work. Absolutely. And Mother Gloria, you have her done here as a homemaker, but she's got the fiery personality and she's going to need to have it with a gentleman from that part of the world. Oh, yes, she definitely (laughs) did. They were married for 67 years before he passed away about five years ago. Wow. Now, interesting childhood. You have sister Kathy and Rosalie. Uh, they're nine and 13 years older than you. So share with me a little bit of your relationship with your sisters being that far apart. You know, it's interesting because when I was a child, they were sort of mother figures to me, especially Rosalie, who was, you know, uh, she was just about 13 years older uh, than me. So she clearly was significantly older and took on that role of more nurturing and uh, taking me places and doing things with me when she was around. Kathy was a little bit younger and the middle child. And I don't think she'll mind me saying that she was a little bit um, resentful that when she was nine, my parents' life changed and now they had to give the attention to this baby. Yeah. And so, and lot of attention, you know, because they were older parents and they had older children. And so um, it was a little bit tougher for Kathy. She was at home. So Rosalie went to college. I went to kindergarten and Kathy had to babysit for me and take care of me. But it was wonderful to be surrounded by so many big sisters and brothers Mm -hmm. because her friends from Clifton High School, she was a cheerleader and her friends and all the football players became my friends. And so they loved to be around me and I loved to be around them. In fact, I remember once one of the kids telling me that he would give me a dollar if I would not tell my parents that they were all congregating in the house um, (laughs) 
on a Saturday night when she was supposed to be babysitting. You didn't want to get in trouble. Yeah. That's funny. So now, what was what was a fun memory you had there besides your sisters bringing the people around? And you probably grew up quicker with the, all those older people around you as well. I did, in a way. In, an, in the flip side of that, I was treated like a baby and really kind of coddled. Um, but I did see a lot of uh, teenage kinds of activities, but I was a really good rule follower kind of kid. So I didn't really try to grow up too fast. But um, I would say that the most fond memory that I have growing up about growing up was, so we had a home in a, a very typical middle-class neighborhood in Clifton, New Jersey, but we had this fantastic built-in pool and everyone loved to come to our pool, friends, family. So on Sundays when the weather was warm, my mother would cook up a storm. All of my cousins and aunts and uncles and the people in the neighborhood, all of our neighborhood friends would come over and we would have big barbecues and we'd be jumping in the pool and splashing in the pool. And they had this big slide that you could slide down into the pool but the house was, and the backyard was right on the Garden State Parkway, exit 153B. And at that time, there was not a lot of buffer zone between the yard and the highway, this major highway. And I would sit on top of the slide and wave to all of the cars as they came by, uh, swooshing down the, the Garden State Parkway. <laughs> They're blowing their horn at you. Yes, they're honking the horns. This little little girl in a little red bathing suit, like waving at the top of the slide. Well, what I want to say here is, is now you're off into the high school, so your sisters are gone by this point. Yeah, you're a Clifton High School Mustang, and some of your activities are comedy, acting, and singing. What drew you to those as interest? You know, I really never felt as though I was an athletic person. When I, be, when I became an adult, I really started to become athletic and still am to this day. But back then, it was not something really that interested, interested me. But it was also like late 70s, early 80s, when girls didn't really have that many opportunities if you didn't play tennis. Yeah, it was just starting, really. I mean, soccer wasn't a thing for girls. So uh, there weren't that many opportunities. And I always really enjoyed acting and singing so I was in the choir I excelled at that I did all the state choir stuff and mm. I really enjoyed those friends those creative people and I connected with um, my theater teacher my drama teacher at, at Clifton High School and he was so great and so much fun so I loved auditioning and being in the plays and I just really enjoyed that whole um, atmosphere that creative atmosphere now you go on to um, Lehigh mm -hmm. and you're at Lehigh University of Bachelor of Science in Psychology, um, mm -hmm. realizing afterwards that you, you're set on your vocation. How did you know that that was what you wanted to do at that young of an age? Because, I mean, you're technically shot out of a cannon at 18 with, uh, sure. with university and then college. I mean, you got to put it in, in NYC. Uh, you did the New York University's Master at mm -hmm. Counseling. So that's a very exciting institution as well as an extremely credible degree there. So, I mean, you're 24 years old and you're ready to go. So 
share with me the mindset why you decided to do that and then how it begins to play out. So interestingly, it's actually has a sad bend to the story because what I really wanted to do was to become a physician. I wanted to be a doctor. And when I was in high school, my skill set and my aptitude was not in math and science. Those were the areas in which I really struggled. And I didn't have a mentor within Clifton High School to say to me, Paula, that doesn't matter. If you really want to be a doctor, you can work hard enough. You can learn these things. You can practice your math. We can get you tutors. But I didn't. I didn't have that. And, you know, my parents were older and they kind of were, you know, kind of done with dealing with kids and going to college and all that kind of stuff. So I really didn't have anyone to guide me. And I had always enjoyed psychology and learning how, why people do the things that they do and how people think. And I always liked helping other people and um, talking with people and hearing their stories and helping them try to figure out how to navigate different challenges and hurdles in life. So I figured, all right, I'll give psychology a shot, which was an interesting choice for Lehigh University, which is really known for its engineering program. Mm -hmm. So psychology is kind of a lesser thing to do there. And there were not that many opportunities for me to do um, my, the things that I really enjoyed in high school. So now you come out and after the master's program, you're in the foster care. Share with me then domestically what you were doing in New York City with the uh, women's groups and the Episcopal ministry and all of these things. So it, it kind of picks up speed. But you're at this point, after what you just said, you're you're ready for this. Feel, I'm feeling ready. I really enjoyed my master's program. It was designed for people who wanted to work during the day. So I was able to really work in the field. Um, and the classes were in the evening. So it was a pretty, it was like a, it was a big apple life. It was go, 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 you know, in a New yeah. York minute, you know, I was getting on the subway and the bus and just go going and, um, working during the day, uh, and, um, going to classes at night and making friends with lots of people and going out all the time, you know, it was the eighties and, you know, I had big hair and was, I was, <laughs> I was having I was having fun. I was living my life, but I was really working hard. And so I um, worked for Catholic Guardian Society and the Episcopal Mission Society. And those were the two core jobs that I had just as I was graduating um, after my master's program. Connect with us on LinkedIn. Be our friend on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You are listening to Vince Cortez. We just want you to leave your mark. You're packing it all in here. So let's flash forward then to your situation when you find out um, what's going on in your life when you, you find out or realize there might be something wrong. And then when you find out you had cancer, what were your sheer initial thought? So I was in my 40s in the best shape of my life. My children were teenagers. They were 16 and 17 years old. I'm married uh, at this point to my husband, Chuck, who we're now married 31 years. We were married, you know, 20, 19 years at the time. And um, I was, I had taken time, a lot of time off from work to raise my children. I just started to go 
get back into the swing of things and had um, really, this is where I discovered fitness and wellness. And I had um, become a gym mom and kind of turned it into a career because that's just who I am. So, you know, I started teaching classes and got certifications and became a personal trainer. So this is who I am. I'm a physical fitness instructor person when I find out that I have breast cancer. I'm in the best shape of my life. It wonderful relationships in my life, like no apparent toxicity emotionally or anything like that. And so I did this crazy CrossFit workout at the gym and I did pull-ups. Like why I was doing pull-ups, I don't know, but I did. And I came home that day and I, my pecs were sore from doing the pull-ups. And I was massaging my pec with my thumb and my fingertips slipped into my armpit as I was massaging. And I felt a huge lump in my armpit. And I was talking, I'm sorry. Was it painful? No, it was not painful at all. It was just your attention. It caught my attention because it was weird. And I lifted up my arm and I touched it and it disappeared in the concavity. Oh, Uh, wow. And I put my hand down and that's, so I only felt it. I say fitness saved my life because had I not done that workout, I never would have noticed. So that's where the story all begins to unfold because I felt this. I said to my husband, oh, that's not good. He's like, what, what? Um, I, of course I had been getting mammograms. Everything was okay. And, um, went to the doctor and she said, well, let's do another mammogram. And, um, that's what we did. We did a mammogram and they did, you know, a biopsy and it turned out that it was a locally advanced breast cancer. It had advanced to a stage three um, by the time I found it myself. Okay. What was your thoughts on that? What was your emotions? Standing at the front desk of the gym where I worked and I still hadn't heard about the biopsy. And so I called the imaging place and said, do you have my results? And they said, oh, your doctor didn't call you. And I said, no. So she said, oh, we'll call your doctor. She'll give you a call. So I pick up the phone. My doctor says to me, are you alone? Are, um, who are you with? Well, that's how I knew I definitely had cancer because otherwise she would have just said it was benign. Everything's fine. So I said, I'm at work. And then she said, well, it came back positive for cancer. I said, what kind of cancer? Like, I didn't even know because it was a lump in my armpit. Like it could have been anything. And she said, it's breast. And that was the last thing I remember. I literally passed out right there. And I, my boss who had this big office with glass that overlooked the front desk where I was standing, saw me go down and she came in and she picked me up and carried me into her office. And my first thought was, this is not happening to me. This can't be real. Um, I don't believe this, you know, so I'm calling my husband, I'm calling my sisters, I'm freaking out. I'm thinking this, how is this possible? And, uh, you know, then it's just a whirlwind of the diagnosis. But I have to say that during that period, like I kind of made a decision that day or the day after I made a decision. It was my son's prom I had to like go pick up a suit. We were having like 20 kids and their parents come over for pre-prom dinner. And I'm like, just learning that I have breast cancer. And um, 
I made a decision that I was going to be one of those warrior people, that I was just going to move through it seamlessly and I was not going to panic or think about dying or any of that, that I just was going to do this the way that they tell you you should do it, like to be positive and be strong and just do it. Didn't turn out that way. <laughs> Always That's easier said than done. Yes. All right, now... What did when did you start to uh, do something about your situation? And then what kind of treatments would you go under? So in, I immediately started the process because the uh, doctors were like, OK, we need to look at your whole body to see if this is a, a metastatic cancer, because mm -hmm. it already had spread well into my lymph system. Um, so, you know, that was very scary having that happen. So it was really a, just a crazy whirlwind and it really, it literally took three adults to manage. It. it was myself, my husband, and my sister, Rosalie, who lived nearby. And the three of us had to just kind of work it because I was going, I had to, you know, I got an opinion in New York city and then they, we needed those slides to bring those to university of Pennsylvania when I was getting another opinion, because I was getting a these conflicting opinions about what my treatment should be. And I, you know, I was kind of catatonic at that point. And I, I even went to the emergency room with my, both of my sisters one day, my husband was at work and I thought I was having a heart attack. Mm. He said to me, honey, you were just diagnosed with breast cancer. You're not having a heart attack. You're having a panic attack. You need to just breathe. You're going to be okay. She was very kind. So that period of time, and I tell women this all the time, that whole diagnosis period and the when you're coming up with your plan is the hardest part. Because once you have a plan and you know what's ahead of you, you can do it. My oncologist at University of Pennsylvania, and he's the head of breast oncology, and he's an amazing brilliant man who um, really got me through a lot. His name is Dr. Kevin Fox. And I said, Dr. Fox, what do I do now? I'll take my tamoxifen. I've done all the protocol. And he looked at me and he said, walk. I said, walk. And he said, yeah, walk. You know what I mean? Like keep your body moving and walk. Because one of the number one things we can do to reduce our risk of recurrence of breast cancer is exercise. Mm. That was his prescription for me, was to move through life in a healthy way. If you have a story to share, tell us. How are you going to leave your mark? Leave your mark. Contact us. Leave your mark with our host, Vince Cortez. Be our guest. Now you're moving through life in a healthy way. And when does the idea come to you to have your move over cancer organization begin. I had become fearless in this process. And that's not to say that I then, you know, just skated through and was like, okay, you know, now everything's honky dory. And so I had my clarity and now I'm good. I had a lot of moments where I had to bring myself back out to the field and put my feet in the grass um, because it was very tough. I had a total of 12 surgeries, but mm. it was, it was very tough. But I did it. I was hired. And but I knew that wasn't the end of the road for me, that I was then learning more and more. I was meeting and helping women, creating programs. I traveled to India. I traveled to Rwanda. I did education there. 
um, just teaching people all over the world and all over the country how to support other people who are going through the cancer experience. And uh, it kind of played it out there for about eight years. Mm. Um, program really, really let me ask you this did the traveling that you're doing there into places like Rwanda go much further away were those also influences in your experience to make this mobile because I think what you're doing here where you're bringing the care to the people now and uh ironically the COVID thing pushed everybody back into their homes but yes this is a reach out like I would yes. think that that situation actually helped you thrive and or become even more popular was bringing the care to them. And the, also, um, share with me the uh, content of your caring, what it is you do. So I have this mobile resource lounge and salon that really is just a spark of light for women when they climb aboard, because it just is like, I always said I wanted it to look like um, Jeannie's bottle from the show, I Dream of Jeannie. Like when you remember that. go down in that, like every little girl wanted to hang out in the bottle. Um, <laughs> so I wanted it to be that kind of experience where you're like, wow, this is so cool. And it really is. So it's a sprinter van, it's fully converted. I designed it myself and we bring the resources directly to the individuals that need us. And it, it breaks down barriers to these um, essential non-clinical services such as head shavings, mastectomy bras, breast prosthetics, wigs, and other head uh, coverings. They're personable and professional. Yes. And um, I have we do peer counseling. I have a licensed clinical social worker who volunteers, and she will come with me when there are people that have that really need to dig deeper and have some more serious issues. We give people these, you know, care packages for comfort items for during chemo. Um, so those are the basic things that we do on the van, but it's really just connecting survivor to survivor and me not mincing words, giving everybody the real skinny on what the situation is going to be uh, with losing your breasts and going into menopause before you're ready and how to tell your children and how to deal with hair loss and weight gain, because that happens typically for women who are going through breast cancer treatment. Um, so many things and it just really and it's the just the one visit is just the beginning of a relationship because there's lots and lots of follow-up that happens after now how long have you been doing it on the mobile unit so i started in 2020 um but the van itself was not completed until june of 2021 mm. so it took me a year to fundraise and to actually have the van delivered and you know retrofitted Thank and you. of course it was very serendipitous that this type of of support would become essential mm -hmm. during a time when people yeah. were stuck in their houses mm -hmm. so i became very relevant yeah and this is an exciting time for you right now Yes, you're, you're going to get to fulfill your life's work here in a, in a much bigger way and a much yes. bigger influence. It's also exciting. Now, you have a beautiful website um, and it explains pretty clearly what it is you do. And it's exciting to see somebody like yourself out there who's gone through it and can ex share the, the best possible experience with those who are now involved in it. So mm -hmm. I want to ask you, uh, 
you know, before we go, I, I want to ask how much or what do you see in the future for what it is you're doing with your mobile uh, care? I would love for us to be able to replicate this type of mobile care in other communities throughout mm -hmm. the US, um, if not the world, because I believe it is a very, it's customizable to a particular community and group of people. Not every van has to look the same. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be just breast cancer. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, we've grown beyond breast cancer, but I would love for us to be able to um, have the resources to expand in that way. Wow. This is very exciting, Paula. This is very exciting. So I, I, we've arrived at that point in the interview. How would you like to leave your mark? I truly would like for people to remember me as a person who was innovative and creative and thought outside of the box in terms of being able to help others, that we could take a leap of faith and do something a little bit different. And I want to be remembered as the person who inspired other people to do their best to see that within that challenge of cancer or divorce or suicide or homelessness or whatever it is that is your challenge in life, there is a nugget of opportunity and you need to find it. Take your shoes off and put your bare feet in the grass, put your face up to the sky and wait for it because that moment of clarity will come where you will find that there is there will be a time in your life where, where you will see that silver lining and you will have the opportunity to go for it. That's beautiful. And it's very true. It's very true. You know it. Thank you so much for being my guest here today, Paula. It's a fantastic story. We'll be following you. Before we go, um, please share with me any information that you have, what your website address is or where people can reach you and uh, just make it easier for them to get out there and speak to you. Absolutely. So our, our website is moveoverbreastcancer.org, all one word visit our website. You can contact us through the website, but we also are very active on Instagram at Move Over Breast Cancer and Facebook at Move Over Breast Cancer. And uh, follow us and you'll see all of the fun things that we're doing. I say that our, our van is on the kindness tour. We're <laughs> always on the road. I say we, it's me and one part-time person, but I like to pretend we're bigger than we are because we're going to get there someday. Yes, you will. So just follow our journey. Thanks for listening to Leave Your Mark today. Tune into our next episode of Leave Your Mark with Vince Cortez. Be blessed. You just left your mark. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Listen to more episodes on demand. Just click Leave Your Mark with Vince Cortez. <laughs>